Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Walk the Line podcast, hosted by myself, Ryan Walker. Thanks for joining us again. Guys, I've got a treat for you today, because my guest today is literally music royalty. I know, I know. I get all the good guys on, uh, good people on my (laughs) podcast. Songwriter to the stars, Elliot Kennedy. Now, Elliot has had an absolutely amazing career. He has a Grammy and Ivo Novello Award winner. He's been a Golden Globe nominee, and he's been the co-writer with Gary Barlow of the hit musical, Broadway musical, Finding Neverland. Elliot's first number one was Take That's Everything Changes, which he co-wrote, co-produced with Gary Barlow, which kind of started a long-running songwriting partnership, which still goes on to this day. His first global success was the Spice Girls' Say You'll Be There, one of my personal favourites. Love that song. He's also had major hits as a writer, producer, with artists such as Celine Dion, Boyzone, Blue, S Club 7, Five, Brian Adams, and of course, Take That. And he also co-wrote with Brian Adams, Mel C's hit, When You're Gone. An, An absolutely amazing career. Now, Elliot has just released his first album, A Yacht Named Sue, which he actually wrote and produced during lockdown. And the story behind this album is actually really good because it's one of those things that it wasn't meant to happen if it wasn't due to the pandemic. And we go into detail about the album and his motivation behind it and where he came up with the idea from it. And really, really great conversation. It's a great album very deep and very personal and you can hear it when you listen to it you can you can you can hear that sort of like kind of personal touch that Elliot puts on there it's available now so guys have a look for it uh, the the track that one of my favorites is a love of your own that's um been out for the past uh, uh, few weeks and it's had great critical acclaim everybody's raving about it i think it's fantastic so please check it out um I could rave on about Elliot for a long, long time. I didn't have that much time with Elliot, about 45 minutes but to an hour. I could literally sit and chew his ear off for God knows how long, for hours on end. He's a great story. I had a great chat with Elliot about music, motivations behind it, some inside stories, all the good stuff. It was fantastic. So, guys, without further ado, please welcome the extremely talented Elliot Kennedy. <laughs> Elliot, how you doing? Nice. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm very good. Thank you, mate. It's very, very kind of you to ask me to do this. Nah, not a problem at all. I've been excited for this, to be honest, because I'm a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a kind of 90s, early 2000s pop uh, kind of uh, fanatic. Okay. And then obviously you're coming on and I've heard your new music that you've just uh, brought out as well, which has that sort of vibe to it. And it's quite exciting. So it must be um, a bit of an exciting time for yourself sort of thing. It is, and, and it's been a weird old time, hasn't it? And I'm I'm very sensitive to this because a lot of people have had a ter- terrible time in this last year, um, and lost people and friends and family and all that kind of thing. So I'm very sensitive to that when I say it's been an incredibly productive time for me. Working from home, I've got my st- a studio here, um, so I haven't been going into my studio in the city much at all, maybe two or three times in a year. Wow. So, um, but at home here, I've made a relaxation album, which I loved doing, you know, called Mind Music. And that's been helping a lot of people in terms of anxiety and 
stress and helping people sleep. And then, of course, like you've just been saying, a, a whole album as an artist, which I can't tell you how mental that is for me after being on the other side of the glass for the last 30 years, you know. I was going to say with the new album that you've released that's just came out, um, a yacht named Sue. Was that was that always on the cards? Was always it something you wanted <laughs> to do, or was it just no, might as well do never. It? I have never ever thought about doing it. I mean, it, it's one of those things. As a kid, you know, when I was at school or whatever, and you're, you, you know, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be involved in music, but I didn't know what a producer or whether you could make a living as a songwriter or anything like that it just seemed like bananas to me right but um actually the idea of being in a band was just like the norm you get in the band you get a record deal or whatever so that was the road that i went down and i've just found by the time i actually got to the stage of getting a record deal with my band i just realized i didn't want to do it that's not what I wanted to do. And I right. wanted to be in the studio. That's the bit that I enjoyed doing. So I started as a tea boy because I was working at a local <laughs> burger burger place. You know. start, start at the bottom, you know. We've all yeah, been there. exactly. It's the best way to do it, you know. And you learn the craft. You learn the protocol in the studio, the, the etiquette of dealing with artists, all of that stuff. And um, started doing the Weekend Warrior rock bands. They all used to be death metal bands, and they all seem to come from Barnsley. Don't know what that's about. <laughs> But um, that, that's where you learn your craft, you know, on your hands and knees, micing up a drum kit and, you know, working out how guitar amps work and all that stuff. And, you know, as, from there onwards, it was just about spending as much time in the studio as possible. And right. that led to songwriting and producing. And um, I just connected with that. That made sense to me. So although I've been dealing with artists all my career, and young artists, quite a lot of artists' development was a big part of what I did over the last couple of decades. So doing that and working with young artists, I'd get the song done and you hand the record over and they go off and make a video and promo and that's it, happy days. All of a sudden, I have a 50th birthday party last year. <laughs> I invite a bunch of artists from my career, the Take That Boys came, S Club, Heather Small, Alfie Bo, a few other people. It was a great night. We raised a hundred grand for the charity, which was beautiful. Wow. And we had an amazing birthday party at Sheffield City Hall. Two thousand people sings "Happy Birthday." You know, amazingly humble moment. And apparently, Alfie was when I went to start the gig. Alfie was in my dressing room with Gaz and the other boys, and he and he said, "Who's singing here?" And Gaz said, "It's L." And he went, I didn't know he could sing. He said, what, we do? what do you think we're doing here? It's his, it's his game. <laughs> yeah. You think you just write the songs, you don't actually sing them. That's right, that's right. So afterwards, a, a Gaz called me and he said, El, you need to make a record. I just thought he was insane and I ignored him. And then about a week later, I went to see the boys on tour. Yeah. And they started their tour in Sheffield. And he, he'd arranged for me to meet a... Um, an agent. <laughs> and and I, I looked at him, I said, what is up with you? And he went, I'm not letting it go, lad. You've got to make an album. <laughs> so I just thought it was nuts. And then all of a sudden, this crazy year happens to us, you know. So he called me one day and he went, what else are you doing? Come on, lad, get an album made. Yeah. So I thought about it. I thought, all right, I'll just try a couple of songs and see how it goes. And I was... Um, I discovered a band called Young Gun Silver Fox. I don't know if you know who they are. I'm not. They're, no. a, they're a new band. And when I say they're a new band, I mean they're a band now doing 
classic 70s yacht rock. They're oh, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Check them out. Young Gun Silver Fox are on their third album already. Wow. I discovered these guys and it just, it filled me up, mate. I, I restored my faith in music. And I actually reached out to them and now become friends with them. And so they've been, in all kinds of ways, a real influence for me um, and an inspiration. So I just thought, you know what? I would, that's the style of music I grew up with. So I would make an album like that and, and sort of totally ignored what I thought radio would like or what the charts looked like. I just thought, what's the point in that? I'm not, yeah. I can't pretend to be something I'm not. I'm just going to make an album that I really want to listen to. So that's where it started, and that's where I am right now. We're three singles in. This current video is the most watched one of all of them. Fantastic. And the album seems to be going down well, man. So, so it's, you know, it's a testament to just being honest and just doing what your heart tells you to do. Yeah, and that, that's a great message, really, to the people out there listening to this. It's obviously if you've got an, an idea, you've got a passion for something, it might, you might not be something you've wanted to do, but if it just feels right, it should yeah. you go for it. Just grab the bull by the horns and run with it. It's a great message for people out there. I've I've, I've always said to artists that, that their job is not to sing or dance or whatever it is they do. That's a given. They, people buy the ticket for that. They expect you to sing in tune, sing the songs they know and all that business. The actual job is to transfer emotion. That's the, that's the actual, you want to send them out feeling differently than when they did com coming in. Do you know what I mean? You want to affect yeah. their emotional state. Yeah. And songs are the vehicle that we get to do that for as, as songwriters and, and, and artists or whatnot, or whatnot. So I'm a big energy guy. I'm always very into this whole, you know, the way that the universe works and, and I get it. I get what energy, what songs and music is. I think it's in that field of energy. And we filter it. And what we get to do is personalize it. Do you know what I mean? We get to sort yeah. of get it through us and personalize that music. And you have an opportunity there. But the only way it works, the only way it's ever going to connect is if you're honest. And, and if what you're doing is, is from the heart, which is why quite a lot of those things that touches are often about painful things, painful subjects. And, you know, almost didn't happen for whatever reason, you know. But that applies to amazing pieces of art uh, it applies to amazing pieces of architecture or or ballet or whatever it is your medium that touches you that 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 gets to you it's usually being done in real honesty and that's not always a, an easy thing for people to do so it, it comes down to that and the ones that don't touch you are probably written without that in mind without yeah. coming from a really honest place so, so knowing this, knowing that this is the case, there was no point in me trying to do anything unless it had that kind of emotional charge to it. And so the album is just full of moments from my life that were highly emotional and sort of probably say more about me as a person than I could in any interview or any essay or anything like that. You just put the song out and say, God, this is who I am and take it or leave it sort of thing. Exactly. I mean, it's it must it must have been such a, a bit of a transition as well, coming from you mentioned before, coming from like the kind of what do you say the background, but the the writing aspects of stuff and to our performing. What was the biggest kind of uh, kind of change or hurdle, the biggest difficulty you had to overcome to the transition between the two? I think it, I mean, thankfully, because of this time, it's just been me here in my house, and right. thankfully, I've got a couple of musicians like my backing vocalist. Tesney Jones and the guitarists and whatnot, they've got their own little rigs at home. So I could send a file over to them 
and talk to them on the phone. Can you think about this and produce them, you know, remotely if you like. Right. And they would send it back. So, so it's just, it's been me. And then sort of the guy I work with all the time, James Jair Wardner, sort of close at hand, but, but most of it is just me on my own at home sort of. And so it's all very, very reflective and, um, extremely honest to the point of like making you insecure about how honest it is (laughs) but but I think that this is what it's meant to be like I don't think it's meant to be an easy process if you if you really want to make an artistic statement I don't know if it's meant to be fickle and just yeah bang it out and see what happens I just I don't think that's never touched me that kind of music you know and and honestly I can go from Slipknot to Celine Dion in one day and wow. see the beauty in between. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you know that each of these things has been done with real passion yeah. and real drive, no matter what the style of music is, in exactly the same way as, like I've just said, about ballet or architecture or paintings. You know, you can see that whoever's created that has created it from a place of real passion and honesty. I just think that's the most important thing. And I think this time more than ever, has given us pause to sort of have a look at our values, our, our system of values as individuals, right. and, and, and work out what is actually important to us. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of what we've not been able to do, we might not go back to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I know people in, in for instance, musical theatre is a big, big part of my life. I wrote a Broadway musical and I'm actually in the middle of writing another one. Okay. So I'm speaking to people from that industry, one of which is probably the best Broadway musical director. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. I was wow. like, wow. He's like the guy, you know. He said, I don't know, man. I mean, when I think about how demanding it is, and it really is, it's full on when you've got a show about Imagine. to go on Broadway. It's full on. Stressful. I've enjoyed my family, he said. I've enjoyed, you know, dinner times. I've enjoyed, I'm working on films as a result and TV, and that's less demanding and equally as satisfying musically. And it's like, Jesus, I've got to really make this guy want to do my musical. You know, I've got to get him, <laughs> bring him back in. I do think it's been a moment for us all to sort of just take, you know, just just pause and work out what's really, really important. And I think one of those things that might have gone by the wayside is this requirement for celebrity. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, because what, what this has allowed a lot of real artists to do, Gary Barlow is a great, a great example of this with his crooner sessions. That's right, yeah. He's allowed people in a little bit more than probably what he would do normally. Now, Gaz is my closest mate, so we talk about this. And we, you know, when he when he started going on about me making this album, he said to me, look, El, you've got these, two, you've got your phone. He says, you've got your computer. What else do you think I've yeah. got that you haven't got, you know? He says, I've got a record company and, and a PR company. And he says, but El, it comes down to me how much I want to give back to this audience that are all stuck in. So I took that really seriously. So I've been doing a radio show on a community radio station. And it go, the listenership goes up every week Brilliant. because we turn it into a house party, you know, and I sync it up with my Facebook page, invite people onto it. And it gets hundreds and hundreds of comments of, of requests and f- turns into just a banter page. <laughs> and, I re- and I just, I'm, I'm live on the radio while I'm doing it. And it's amazing the beautiful emails I've had from people saying, you have no idea 
that Gaz on Monday, Wednesday and Friday with crooners and you on Tuesday and Thursday literally gets us through the week. Keeps you going. Yeah, keeps you going, keeps you sort of, uh, it's fun, it's exciting, it's full of music. And, you, you know, I've, I've, I take that very seriously now. You know, so does Gaz. So we, these, these opportunities, you've got to be, see them as opportunities Definitely. To, to sort of, you know, interact with people differently. A lot of artists haven't done that because yeah. they either don't really like that, they quite like the idea of, of it just being I'm a celebrity and I'm, you know, you're over there sort of thing. And as a result, I think those audiences, those, they're going to struggle to get them back. Because yeah. I think this has given an insight into people that they're going to want this connection still, mm. even when we're back in the world. There's no reason why. We've opened the door here. Why does it have to close? So I, it, I think in all kinds of ways for a lot of people, that this has been a real, real interesting experience, an opportunity to reevaluate what's important. Well, that's the thing as well, because of this, as you mentioned, that people have to kind of, uh, adapt to different scenarios, and I think, I think the music industry as itself has adapted incredibly well to everything. Yeah. As you mentioned before, you had obviously Gary Ballard doing his crooner sessions, yourself doing the radio, but you've also seen that a lot of different artists have really kind of taken ideas, just like yourself, have taken different like kind of different ideas that they've always wanted to do. They wouldn't do normally, other because they may have been too busy or the record label wouldn't like it. So they've done different things and they've like kind of yeah. experimented with different things. And it's that sort of like kind of creativeness that really shines through. And you mentioned as well that a lot of these other artists aren't doing that. And I really do believe, I think they're going to struggle to really whenever. I totally to agree. I think music, I think art itself is like any flowing energy. It's like water. It will find a way and find its level. Do you know what I mean? Wow. It'll find a way in and, yeah. and and trickle down the best way it possibly can because anyone who's a real artist simply has to be able to express themselves. Definitely. And they'll do whatever they can, whether it's standing on a building and you know playing to as many people as can hear them or using these windows that we've got here mm. on the world that thankfully, I mean, even just on the level of my son on Xbox with his mates, I mean, thank God yeah. that they can still connect and hang out because he normally is out playing football or basketball with them every yeah. day. And he can't do that right now. So he's had this ability to stay in touch. And I think that, you know, you have to find a way to connect with people because it's, it's what's inherent. Is, and this is really clear, isn't it? that we're not meant to be isolated. As a, as a species, oh, yeah. we love interaction with each other. We love, you know, it's either the football match or for me, it's ice hockey or going to a pub or wrestle, whatever it is you do that, that allows you to interact with other humans, exchange energy. It's That's the one thing I think everyone's been really, really aware of, especially musicians. Definitely. Well, we are, you're quite right in what we're saying. We're this sort, we are the species that are actually, we're, we're back in the day when old school when we started like kind of living off the land where hunter gatherers were, were yeah. part of a tribe and all that and that's still resonant in our dna we're like that we have to be out there we have to be out and about and seeing people and and people a lot of people don't understand that you've got the technology in the palm of your hand if you've got a phone you can do that and if you've got yeah. a, like a uh, any sort of like kind of computer even an xbox and you can do that and yeah. what's really uh, exciting is that you don't need as you mentioned earlier all this 
oh silver dollar millions of pounds worth of equipment to record yeah. anything you have got it literally in front of you you can spend a few hundred pounds and you can do it at the, the the comfort of your own home it's like what i'm doing here i've converted my um uh, my house my conservatory into like a yeah yeah uh, a little makeshift studio unfortunately my five-year-old daughter as you can see behind me i've got the toys is uh, upset at that because i've took over <laughs> her space so she has to live with that so it's it's all about adapting and this is what i love about what's happening now everyone's adapted and everyone's really taken uh, the, the bull by the horns and running with it and with you and obviously doing things different it's it's great to see and it's exciting everyone keeps saying oh the pandemic yes it's been absolutely horrendous but as uh as as the human race has we've, we've been able to adapt and i'm excited to see what's going to happen after to be quite honest because i think yeah, some yeah. really interesting things are going to happen i think some new new artists are going to come through new sort of like kind of uh, genres of music for instance especially with the re have you seen the new remixing sort of side of things that people are doing at the minute uh, they're getting songs yeah. and remixing them up and putting a different twist on them. I think that's yeah, great. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic thing. I, again, and, and, and I'm not sure what that what that classic phrase, the mother of invention and all that. And, and, but I think that, that need and, and inspiration and the need to express it um, means you find new ways of doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? You find yeah. new ways of expressing yourself and interacting and, and all of that kind of thing. I think that... Um, I think that 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 and the, the 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 fact that we all love and need music in our lives has meant that we're we're interacting with it differently yeah. than we probably did. Actually, I reckon it's probably the best time for actually absorbing music since buying a record, a, a vinyl record, and going back to your bedroom and listening to it because you tend you, you know back then you're sure your age you now. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's, it's interesting. Actually. I'm just waiting for the vinyl of my album to arrive and I can't wait for it because it's like, that's going to be a moment to actually have a vinyl album of mine. But, but, but what, what I found then is that people were far more attentive to, to the music they bought because it was an emotional decision, not a financial one. You know, I didn't, I, my mum and dad didn't have any money. We didn't, you know, I couldn't afford to buy whatever record I wanted. So it was a decision based on what do I love? I've got eight quid to buy this album and I want 10, but which one can I, which yeah. one shall I buy? So it, it was always a very emotional decision. And as a result, you really invested in it. You took it home. You couldn't wait to get it. You listened to the whole album side to side, read all the credits. As a result, we were far more emotionally involved with the soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. Which is why on Spotify, the first thing people do is go back and celebrate the soundtrack of their lives. It's not new music. I've got that, it's yeah. all the old stuff, right? So w what I've found over the years, and I've, I've, not, I've only sort of aware of this because of my own kids, that, that, that even my son likes to talk about the stuff I played him in the car when he was a kid, in the back yep. of the car, subjecting him to all kinds of different kinds of music. And there his playlists are full of them. And he loves hip-hop and urban music and all the rest of it. But he also loves going back to sort of rock and, you know, electronic or whatever it was that I was excited to play in. And that is the soundtrack of his life. So I think that, I think that this era, this period of time we've been through, has reconnected people to their muse, their soundtrack of their lives emotionally again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. one of the great things for the music is industry. Yeah, I understand, yeah. 
And as a result, it's been an amazing time for nostalgia rather than new artists. Do you know what I mean? I think new artists are struggling yeah. because the, the, the machinery that's used to break a new artist simply isn't there right now. Mm. And people are far, because of insecurity, stress, anxiety, they want to go back to what makes them feel safe and feel good. Mm. And that's been that era. So I think in that instance, making an album like I've made that is from that era has been a bit of an advantage. I think it applies to Gaz as well with his music made by humans. It harks back to a time when music made you feel a bit safer. It does, yeah. When things were a lot more simpler back then, wouldn't it? I think so, yeah. I think so. I mean, I'm talking like I'm 70 years old here, but I, I kind of, <laughs> I do get that thing. Mm. I do get that, that emotional connection, I think has been difficult to make because of the way that we acquire music is so different nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm not saying that we always oh, should go back to going the way it was because you can't do that. You have to move forward. But it does interest me, this wave of interest in vinyl. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. it feels there's definitely a connection to music in a way. As a result, the sales are through the roof of vinyl. Yeah. You know, record players are a huge thing nowadays in, Kid, I bought my son one when for his 13th birthday. He oh, was really? the first kid in school to have one. Wow. And he was the coolest kid as a result. Now all of his friends have got a vinyl player. You know, they've got a record really? player and they're connected. <laughs> they're going to old vinyl shops and stuff. So I think that I, I, I get that, that that it's a big time for reconnecting emotionally. I think that's been the best thing about this. It's a bit strange when you mentioned the vinyl because vinyl has never really died, really, has it? It's always been about it's funny, you know, isn't it? all, and it's like the first proper like kind of platform to play music on back in the days, like seventies and eighties yeah. and stuff. And uh, it's never gone. It, you always there's always like kind of retro vinyl shops about, and any song that comes yeah. out has a vinyl aspect of it. And one of my close friends, he's uh, he collects all the the vinyl stuff, and he's into all of these uh, uh, like kind of indie bands, like yeah, Ocean Color Scene, and all that. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He every every. I, I, He's got a little thing he does every Sunday. He does a little platform and says, like, this is the vinyl I'm playing today. And it's just, it fascinates me when you've got all these different platforms uh, and technology has moved on with tape, CD, MP3s, yeah. and now on streaming. Vinyl's still there. It's still alive. And it's just, it's yeah. just it's, and I think it just would resonate in what you just said there. It's the emotional thing behind it that keeps yeah, it, it's that keeps alive. Yeah, it's thing. Reading credits and feeling a part of the yeah. I, I talk. I have conversations with other musicians, and I feel like I know what they're talking about because I'm. Oh yeah, I know about this. I read it on the credit of the album. You know, if I'm talking to, if I bump into Phil Oakey from the Human League, they're next door neighbors to me in my studio. Right. You know what I mean? Their studio is next door to me. I never get over that. I, I never lose touch <laughs> with the fact that one of my idols is next door. I'm always a bit starstruck, but. Um, What's interesting is we have, we can have these conversations about this era that I was too young to really know about, but I felt connected to because I read all about it. You know, yeah. I buy the album, I knew what synthesizers he was using, I knew what drum machine was used because we because you know you felt it like you were a part of that process because it was a, a, a way that they you know that's how they connect to fans. Then we didn't have the internet, so so I think that there's a there's a level of connection to music. Yeah. Through those physical um, uh, versions of music, if you like, it's interesting. I was watching it. I watched a program. The really, the two things I took from this program that really made sense to me. One was this thing about celebrating the soundtrack of your life, despite what the format is, and it and it goes from vinyl to cassette, 
um, through cassette to CD. And what you did was buy your collection again That's on it, CD. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then when iTunes came out and the iPod, you reacquired them all as MP3s yeah. or you burned them as MP3s, right? And then when I, you know, and then when Spotify comes about and streaming technologies, the first thing you do is make playlists of all your favorite old songs. So, so regardless of the format, the first thing we want to do is celebrate and hear and experience the soundtrack of our lives in this new format. That shows you how important and the, the, the connection emotionally to music is. Yeah. This is the first thing we want to do in all of those times. The second thing I got from the, the, watching this thing was how, how important it is when you subscribe to an artist. And uh, the interview itself, I think, was with El uh, Elvis Costello. Right. And he was talking about when the album Rubber Soul by the Beatles was released. Right, yeah, yeah. He says, he says I, queued up. I queued up for it. He said, I got it, bought it, ran home, put it on, and just sat there and cried. Wow. And was just like, what have they done? Where's please please me? Where's where's help? Yeah. You know what, what have they done? He said. And then a, a couple of weeks later, I caught myself thinking, how could I possibly live with it without this album? He said. And what he what he learned, and this is something that I think we all need to take into consideration. What he learned was that if you if you love an artist, and you like what they do, you've got to trust them to take you on a journey. You've got to relinquish control of that because they can't stand still. You know, and you'd actually, even though you think you want them to do what they've already done, you would be bitterly disappointed if they did. Yeah. You actually have to let them take the wheel and take you on a journey somewhere. Even if at first it feels uncomfortable because change is a bit uncomfortable, you have to let them take you on their yeah. journey with you. And, it, and, and that's something I have definitely experienced. I remember being a kid, buying Depeche Mode records, and then some great reward came out and just thought, oh, they've gone too far now. That's this it. clanging of metal and all that, yeah. they've gone too far. And then within a week, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, it's a weird thing, that journey, but it's so important. It's, it's just like adapting to different kind of moving forward because obviously music goes forward with the times and whenever, yeah. they, whenever your favourite band decides to take that leap everyone hates it but then they go oh yeah that was probably the best album they've ever made best thing they've ever done yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's funny just, isn't it that? it is crazy so, it's crazy it's it but it's, it comes down to ignoring that instinct of yourself of wanting to sort of stay as the same and you should embrace change it's difficult for everyone yeah. no matter whether it's moving into a new house or you know your, your favorite car you've ever owned has finally died its last death <laughs> and you you know and and all of those things we struggle with them i'm not quite sure what that's about in terms of the human condition why do we struggle with change so much but it's always better do you know what i mean it always is we adapt sure. we move on and we we seldom do we want to go back and and would, would ever want to go back and and do that thing again. I think that's, you know, one of the biggest lessons in life. Certainly the biggest lesson in life I've learned. Definitely, definitely. I can completely agree with that. With going, going over to you, back to obviously your, your new album, uh, A Yacht yeah. Named Sue. That's a, it's an unusual name. Where did you come up with the name for it? <laughs> so so, so when, when I was thinking about this, I, I, originally there's a song on the album called Fragile and, and I was going to call the album Fragile just so it was a title track. Yeah. And then I thought about it. I thought, you know what? It'd be nice to have 
because I was looking at, I, I discovered some artwork that I really liked and all the artwork for the singles have all had a very similar theme and it's always been sorted because it, it was yacht rock, yacht pop. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to involve sailing boats and but I wanted oil paintings and I wanted it to be quite a creative statement. So when I when I saw when I found these these uh, sequences of paintings, I thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna use them as the the, the covers. Um, I thought, well, it might be nice to sort of have a theme of that in it in the title of the album. So originally, originally, I was so insecure about doing this album that I actually called the band a yacht named Sue. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah, I was going to go out as that title. And then um, I told Gaz, and he, he, he just started laughing. And he went, <laughs> he went, L, L, come on, lad. He said, look, that's ridiculous. He says, you've got to stand out there. You've got to say this is me. Yeah. So I thought, All right, okay. So I thought, I'll, then I'll use it as the title because it's a head nod towards the style of music and the era that it's come from, that yacht pop, yacht rock era. And that's still a relatively new term for a lot of people. Is, you know, they yeah. don't sort of re realise that that era of music existed um, or, or as a collective now, uh, you know, noun for that kind of music, if yeah. you like, you know. But, but, but I think that um, it was also a little bit of a head nod to a boy named Sue, which I always thought was a cool title by Johnny Cash. That's so a yacht thing, named yeah. Sue... Yachts are always, or should be always named after a girl. So it sort of made sense. And I thought, well, that was the that was going to be the band title. There isn't a song on the album about it. So it's just a, an artistic statement. It sort of made sense. And I just went with it. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good title. It's something that's going to really get a stick in people's heads. That's the main thing. It's really going to. Yeah, that's a nice thing. I guess. And it's that's always going to people know straight away a yacht named Sue. Oh yeah, that's Elliot Kenny. That's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> nice. and, a, and a marketing aspect. Yeah, I bet your marketing team are loving that. I think they're thinking that's the best thing ever. <laughs> like, it's it's interesting. Everyone does remember the title and the name. That's interesting you said that. But yeah, yeah people always do remember it. They're probably sitting there, your marketing team are gone. He's made our life so much easier right now. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> It's better to do that. So, I mean, we've got, you see, it's, it's this, the, the third single you said that's uh, just been come out. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's remarkable to think that that's the way it is, but it is. And, and and the album came out two weeks ago. The single came out last weekend. Yeah. Um, because And because of the, it's on the album, I thought, well, there's got to be a reason to do this. So I put an extra track with this single, which is not on the album, a song called Turn Out the Stars. And that's right. actually been received really well. Because Fantastic. as with anything, you know, and, and it's been a beautiful response from a lot of people, they they can't get enough of it. Once you've, you know, they know your album's coming, everyone wants it today. So they've gone through the album very quickly. And I, I made little videos of each song explaining what the song was about as a little insight into the peek behind the curtain, if you like, yeah. uh, what the song was inspired by. And um, it's been one of those. It's been one of those uh, things that I've had lovely responses to. People getting to know the music on a very personal level and wanting to know the meaning of it, and all of that sort of thing. So it's it's from that point of view, it's been a bit of a dream in terms of how to release it. But yes, with three singles in, I've I've done three videos. This one, this particular video for um, uh, a love of your own which is a cover of, of the Average White Band song, which right. has always been one of my favourite songs. Um, I got to do, we went out to the coast to do the video. It was just a one beautiful day in the winter. It was sun shining, so we, I always I said I wanted it to be black and white and quite isolated. 
And because there's no one there, I just got to walk up and down this beach with my guitar. <laughs> and it looks like I'm on a journey. So it works out really well. And as a result, it's been the highest sort of played video so far, which is nice. Oh, so it seems great. to seems to be connecting with people which is lovely and that's you know at the end of the day that's the most you can hope for i think that's great well go with your career you've had such a a successful career obviously in front and obviously behind the scenes with this new kind of album here how does it feel when when you get so much praise from it everyone says it could be like kind of the next step is this just like another project for you or is it just the next step in what you want to do i i haven't thought about it that much it's interesting all of a sudden now I, I'm, I had a conversation with Gaz the other day and he's, he beats me up about this stuff because, <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he says, oh, you're not, you're not trying hard enough or, you, you know, you, you're expecting too much or you've got to... He's, he's very good at sort of kicking my ass like this. And he says, oh, look, this is the first step. You've opened the door to let, you know, people hear your voice. You're going to have to make another one. And it, it actually took, took my breath away. I just thought, oh, my God. I'm going to start making another album, you know. Got to so, do a follow-up, so... got to do a follow-up. That's how, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, success. Yeah. You should know successful artists have a second, have a second one quite quick after the first one. The difficult second album. You, uh... as, the, as we've always said, you have your whole life to write your first album and six weeks to make your second, you know. <laughs> it, it's uh, the difficult second album, yeah. So I think if, you know, I, I, I can't wait to be able to play this one live. So I think yeah. that... My intention is, and it, it's interesting, actually, I was writing the other day uh, with something very specific in mind, and it was the first time in my life entirely where I, start, I stopped and thought, I might have to put this one in the back pocket. You know? <laughs> <Keep> that <laughs> Which is such a weird thought for me. Just in case. I just thought, I could, yeah, this is where I might want to go with the second album. So maybe that, maybe these ass kicking from Gaz are starting to settle in, you know, and I'm starting to listen to him because I understand it now. I understand it. I get it. You know, you've got to keep moving forward. And why wouldn't I? You know, I've got every opportunity to. So perhaps, um, I could time it with, uh, by the time I come to doing live work, there might be a, a new body new of work, work to start releasing. Yeah, that would be a nice thing to do, I think. Just, but yeah, do you know what? I, I've loved it. I've, there's been nothing but joy in doing it. So yeah. there's no reason why I wouldn't continue. Does it come, does it, when writing songs and such, like, I mean, you've wrote hits, I mean, award-winning hits, you know, with a lot of them from obviously, obviously Gary Barlow and Brian Adams and... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, accreditation when you're writing songs does it come naturally to you or is it still one of those like kind of quite hard or is it just straight off the head and it comes completely natural if you want to write a song there's an, there was an era in the 90s where i was just so busy you don't really think about it that much you just you get into a flow and as i've gotten older you can't help but spend a bit more time working out what that what where it comes from and what it means and i have a real philosophy about this right. in terms of what it means to be a songwriter the, the opportunity the, the gift of, of being able to do it and when, when i when i say that i don't mean like oh look at me what a great gift i've got i mean the simple fact that we're allowed to do it is the gift and and the way that i see it is that and i say this to co-writers I say it to young artists so you have very little to do with this. Just understand that, that, that you get to serve music here. I get to serve music. You know what I mean? This incredible thing that, that, that seems to get in, 
I always say that music is the backstage pass to everybody's soul, that it gets in where very little else can. If you're talking to someone about their lives, and I found this on so many occasions, if you talk about a song that means something to them, people will snap into telling you the most personal things about them because the song has given you permission. Do you know what I mean? You've gone in yeah. with your hands open and said, tell me why this song means so much to you. And people go, well, you know, it was like this or my divorce or whatever. All of a sudden, the barriers are down and people are happy to sort of share these moments with you because music gives is the backstage pass. It's allowed the doors to be opened, you know. So if you're dealing with something that powerful, you've got to, you, it's only natural that you start looking at the origins of it, you know. And because I'm so into physics and so into the way things work, you realise, hold on, the things they're doing, you know, down at CERN in in uh, in Geneva. Yeah, I get it. You know what they're looking for is some an explanation for the field of energy that is in everything. It's in us. It's in everything you'll ever experience in your whole life. I think music's on the same plane. I think it's on the same ocean of energy. To receive it, you've got to put your aerial up. Of course, you know, yeah. and and the only way you get to put your aerial up and receive the energy is to be honest and, and surrender to it and just be happy to be a part of something bigger than yourself. So, so I've had this attitude now that I just happen to be lucky enough to be holding a pencil the day the universe wants to write a song. And if you can get to that space, if you can get into a zone, and, and people refer to it like that, getting in the zone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah. we hear these phrases all the time. And what I've understood, what, what I now understand that means is getting to a place where you are happy to get out of your own way, park your ego and receive and be a part of it. Basketball players say it's like time slows down and the hoop seems 10 times bigger. Yeah. Golfers say the hole in the ground is like a mile wide when they're in the zone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. These yeah. Things, and, and I think it's the same stuff. For musicians, it's inspiration for ideas. What you're actually doing when you're deciding to do that and get in the zone, it's a bit like meditating. You're putting yourself in a place to receive the energy and you're surrendering to it. And it's not yeah. easy. It's not an easy word for a lot of people that surrender because you like to think you're in control of everything. But what we get to do is personalize it. You get to take the energy in and add your experience and emotion to it, and then it becomes your vehicle. But I totally believe it doesn't belong to us. It's everywhere, in everything. We just get to serve it from time to time. And I'm all right with that, man. I'm all right <laughs> with being a part of something bigger than me. So somehow it keeps happening, because I, I just have this attitude of absolute gratitude that I get to be a part of it every day. So, so that's it for me, and 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 it always has been. Without realizing it, yeah, it's always been my intention to to take wherever it comes from, make it about whatever it is I'm writing about. So, so as a songwriter, I've, my job was always getting into the head and the heart of the artist that I was writing for. You know what I mean? And not yeah. me, not not personalizing it with my life, but actually trying to spend time, make it sound like their vocabulary or their life. So a lot of those conversations with artists start with everything other than music. You know, what their life is like, who are they? What do they represent? And 
you know, what do their audience want to hear about them and, and try and write the song that does that job. And thankfully, you know, for whatever reason, I've managed to be able to do that on, on, on quite a few occasions, which is a beautiful thing. But, uh, but that's where it starts and ends with me. It comes down to what's real. Ah, that's, quite, that's pretty deep way of putting it. Right, that little bit at the end there, just kind of cherry on top. It's just is real, and that really yeah. kind of resonates home. I think that a lot of people would kind of take that away with them and take advantage of that sort of thing. Your way of thinking, yeah. it's a very powerful way of thinking. But once you do open your doors and once you do let it in, it's the sky's the limit. You don't know what to do. You don't know what's going to take you. And this is the the thing that yeah. it's uh, exciting for them for the future. I think fundamentally, man, I, I think if you asked anyone what, you know, first and foremost, we want to be inspired. Of course. Do you know what I mean? What, what, it's what we look to in other people. It's why we elect certain people. It's why we buy the album of someone, why we buy the ticket of the gig. Mm. We, we want to be inspired. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're inspired, you feel like you can do anything. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good place to start, I think. That that's that's what we're all searching for. The other thing that I've learned, and 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 th and this is the other thing that I think people get lost in, is how to gauge success. When do you consider yourself to have been a success? Mm. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that that success should be measured like this: if one person can breathe easier because you lived, you've succeeded. Yeah. Completely if that's negative. your motivation, it can only get better. Oh, of course. If yeah. that's if that's the way you start out, your intention to take the inspiration and intend to help someone to breathe easier. So for a songwriter, that means if I can write a song like my second single, When Love Breaks Down, which is about my divorce and how horrible a time that was and the story of what happened. John Mayer did it brilliantly in uh, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. Yes. What a beautiful image, you oh. know. My God, and and countless other songwriters can express that pain of letting someone go. You need to let go of, you know. And, and I remember, I remember going through the, the very divorce that, that when love breaks down was about. Um, someone, someone said this to me. Think about a ruler from school. You know those plastic rulers you had that used to, <laughs> you know, grab older one with your hand. And, and I said, okay, yeah. He says, what does it feel like? Really grab hold of it. What yeah. does it feel like? I said, well, it hurts. Yeah. He says, let go of it. How does that feel? And you go, wow, okay. There you go. And, it, and it's like, this is, this is what you're dealing with, that, that you think your instinct is to do this yeah. and hold on to it, but it actually hurts more. If you can just let go of it, you'll find it gets a lot better really quickly. And... I think songwriters have an opportunity to take those, do those things, take those moments. If you can inspire someone and help them breathe easier that's yeah. going through a divorce by giving them that information, that pearl of wisdom that this is what you're going through and this is what I did and this is why I can tell you about it because this is how I did it. If you can just do something like that that makes people go, oh, I'm not on my own. Boom! What a result, you know, what a result. And that I think if you can start and be happy with that as your, as your motivation, things can only get better from there. I think if you set out to, I want to sell a million records, I don't know if it's going to feel good. Nah, it's not. It's not going to be the same because you're, you're not in it for the right reasons. You're just in it for no, the sake right. of making that's money. That's exactly right. 
you can always yeah. tell with the, the people who are in it for the right reasons. You can feel the passion coming through and they're, they're writing the songs and they're performing. You can, you can hear it and experience it compared yeah. to just someone who just wants to be famous for the sake of making money. Yeah, exactly. And, and listen, man, making an album, I, had, I didn't know whether I'd sell two copies of it. You know, I had no <laughs> idea whether people would embrace it on, in this day and age, how they would embrace it, mm. whether, whether it would be just, you know, who's this guy? The thing I always think, and I've been asked on a couple of occasions, why don't you write a book? You've got some great stories or whatever. And I always think about myself going to a bookshop and seeing my book on a book and going, who does this guy think he is? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, think, and, and I have that objective view about myself. So the idea of making a record and, and going, here we go, kids, there's my album, come on, roll up, here we go, get your tenors out, forget about it. You know? it. So the idea of selling a... A copy is beyond belief to me at this point. That that it's actually you do realize it's me, big lad from Sheffield. You know, you do yeah. realize it's not you know my mate Gary Barlow or whatever. But then the funny thing is, I have these conversations with Gaz, and he feels exactly the same. That says like not you. You feel that all these like famous people that have been out in the spotlight for a number of different years, they're just exactly the same as us, and they do have the exactly, <laughs> exactly. same... They're human. They're not like, kind of, yes, they're, they're, yes, they've got a great talent and they're out there, but they're just human. They're just exactly the same as what we're thinking. You'd have to be a special kind of narcissist to, to <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you know, a Donald Trump or whatever, to, to think that, that people should just, you know, deserve, you know, the, the, you know you, they should have what you give. And that's it. You know, I, I definitely don't have that gene. I don't. I don't have nah, it. And I don't want not. it. <laughs> of course not. So, go forward. So the, the 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 album's out now. Is it available on all streaming services and all yeah, that it is. Stuff? It's available everywhere. I'm actually just today going to order the CDs. I've had a lot of requests for CD copies, so I'm actually oh, yeah. going to make some. The vinyl is on its way. I'm hoping it arrives in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm actually setting up a website, and we'll go through social media to say, look. If you want one, this is the way it is. I'm going to sign every single copy of them because I don't intend, I don't anticipate selling that many. So, so I'm going to personalize them, which is going to be a nice little touch. Um, I hope it gets to the stage where I run out of biro, you know. That's but it. Uh, if I don't, so be it. That's the way it is. So I'm making it on CD and vinyl. And I, it's strangely enough, when, when I looked through some of the data, I saw that the, the, the numbers in Holland, in Europe, were... Um, actually just as big as they were here. Right. So thankfully, I've got a, fan, a, a beautiful friend in Holland who is also in the music business and media, and they've taken it up. So we've started a campaign in Holland, which is going very, very well. Brilliant. So who knows? It might, it might sort of continue to grow as the audience gets bigger. But listen, man, right now, I, I, it's a joy. It's an absolute privilege to serve music this way. So yeah. long may it continue, I hope. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Elliot, I'll go leave it there because we've chewed your ear for a, a long enough and I know you've got <laughs> lots to do, lots of promoting to do and probably more writing to do, but I look forward <laughs> to see what's going to happen this year and I'm looking forward to the, the second album. It better come. If not, we'll be making a petition to get the second album made. Even if you like it or not, it's going to happen. But Absolutely. Elliot, thank you so much for uh, uh, taking time out to have a chat with us. Um, thank you, brother. It's been a joy. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Thank you, mate.